We're going to read for you today our scripture, which is Matthew 21 through 15. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them them a denarius for the day and spent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you what is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired the last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Boy, it must be nice to be like her. She can eat anything she wants and never put on a pound. Boy, I'd like to be like him. Look at all that hair. He can put on muscle just like that. Have you seen their lovely new home? I wonder how they afford it. Boy, it must be nice to go on vacation like that any time you want. Envy. Called by some the ugliest, the meanest, the most grim of the seven deadly sins. Envy runs along a spectrum all the way from jealousy, which sometimes we excuse in ourselves. We say, well, I wish I had that. I'm just going to work harder so I can get it. And, and that can't be a bad thing, right? It's, ins- it's inspiring me to do better. It creeps in. Proverbs um, says that a, a joyous, thankful heart gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. It's like osteoporosis for your strength pokes holes in what should be a place of strength. And by the time you get to full-blown envy, in the Bible, it's much, much more than just jealousy. The actual meaning of that word is not just that I'm jealous of what you have, but it's, and if I can't have it, I want God to take it away from you. The great pastor Frederick Buechner said, um, envy is the desire to have everyone as unsuccessful as you are. Envy. And it's not new. Um, It's something, a sin that we have grappled with throughout time. Our ancestors grappled with it. And as they 
experienced envy as, as their bones began to rot, as their strength rotted away. You see what it does. It makes me hate that person. My brother or my sister, I, I hate them because of the good that's in their life. And if I'm busy hating them, then I'm creating huge barriers between myself and God. And so God has said from the beginning, as he sees us struggling with this, you need to stop. You need to not. Um, one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not covet, right? That's envy. And it was you, you will not covet your neighbor's spouse or home or oxen or donkey, okay? It was spouse, still today, applicable. Home, yep. Oxen? Um, could, you tell, could you not tell me, every single one of us right now, if we had the money, what car we'd be driving? Tomorrow, we'd be driving it. That's your oxen. Okay, your donkey is, you know, all the rest of the stuff that goes with life, right? It might be a, a slick new piece of technology or a new phone or a new TV or a man cave or, you know, what, whatever that somebody else has that you don't. And here's the thing about envy, you guys. As soon as you get that thing something else. It never stops. It will never be enough. So we will always have this sin unless we learn to overcome it. And here's something that I tell the Lord that uh, the people in the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments didn't have to deal with. They didn't have to deal with social media, okay? They didn't. Um, social media, certainly you can think of advertising. Advertising is hard, right? Everywhere we go, everywhere we drive, it's not just my neighbor or my coworker. Now it's like that billboard, and there's something up there that I don't have, and I want it. So what do I need to pay to get it? Or sacrifice to be like that. Um, and then there's social media, okay? <laughs> social media. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, the grief, that I have seen come off of social media. There is a study, a study that was done this year. Hundreds of people. The platform was Facebook. People on Facebook, they, re- researchers recorded how do these people feel after being on Facebook. And one out of three people felt worse. And when they dove into why, the pe- it was almost 100% envy. And so the conclusion of this research was Social media is a breeding ground for envious thoughts. And it is, isn't it? It's not supposed to be that way. It's just that we're kind of wired that way. And so you're at home, maybe like me, microwaving some fish sticks for dinner. The tedium is getting to you. So you open up Facebook and some of your best friends are out at Taco Tuesday and they're smiling, and they're laughing. It's this idyllic situation. They found a butterfly that's on people's fingers, and you're like, they didn't invite me. Or you're putting in some late hours, late hours at work, right? Drudgery, drudgery, drudgery. And you're like, okay, I'm just going to take a little break. I'm going to get on social media. What do you know? First thing on the feed, somebody's on vacation in Hawaii, you're, you're doing pretty well, right? You're, you're, you're pretty happy with your life. You, you open up social media and your roommate from college just had the biggest, most bonanza wedding you've ever seen, right? There's pictures and you're thinking, suddenly single doesn't feel as good as it used to. And part of the problem with social media is that in, in the old days, 
if I was going to envy someone's oxen or donkey or someone's house or spouse, it, it was because I lived next door to them. And if I was going to envy their vacation, it's because they're showing me the pictures that they printed out, and they're like, yeah, this looks great, but man, we, we were eight hours delayed in the airport, and the kids were melting down, and everybody was looking at us. And then you're like, oh, context. You know, suddenly I don't envy that as much anymore. That, that was a hard slog. But social media, we curate our lives, don't we? And so we put out the best. Here's the best, right? And what I secretly long for is for the week when Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat um, have a real life, hashtag real life or hashtag no envy or something like that, and they send us prompts when we don't know they're coming, right? Take a picture of what you're doing right now and put hashtag real life, right? 315, fighting with the kids, you know? (laughs) Hashtag real life, you know? Sunday morning before church, having it out with my spouse, you know? (laughs) Hashtag real life. I would love that. But I don't think they're going to do that for us. And so I think instead of getting off of social media, which can be delightful and lovely, I think we need to find a way to deal with what's really wrong, which is right here. We need to find a way to be transformed by God's perfect love and to shut envy out of our lives. And this story of the workers of the vineyard is a great way to do that because if you're anything like me, when you guys read this story, we feel that rub of, this isn't fair. You know, I mean, those poor workers who worked all day in the hot Mediterranean sun, they were working all day, and then they are paid the same as the lollygagger who only gets it together to put one hour in? I feel it. I mean, do y'all feel it? The kids feel it. That's not fair, we say. Um, and what do I always tell my own kids? Life's not fair. Yep. <laughs> Life's not fair. So how is it, if we can't make life fair, that we work on our own hearts so that we aren't rotted away by envy? Well, this story gives a great way to do that. And first of all, I would say, use reason. Use your head, okay? So these workers, we're thinking about the, the ones who got there early in the day. They were out and ready to go. Um, out of this whole labor pool, the, the vineyard owner picked them. They obviously have some great characteristics going on here. They worked hard. They didn't slack off. They get paid their full wage at the end of the day. Should these people standing here really have a reason to envy the people who drag themselves out of bed at 4.30 and go to the labor line looking for work and luck out that somebody takes them and then bonus, get paid a whole day's wage? Is that a recipe for long-term success? No. Is there any reason at all, if you use your head, that this person over here who is a hard worker, who is dedicated and strong, should envy this person? No. So a lot of times to just short-circuit envy, we have to just use our heads. And that's hard because a lot of times we try to fill in the blanks. Oh, well, they're just lucky or they just kissed up or, you know, they were born into it. 
And what I've found as a pastor for so many years is that there is always more to the story. And oftentimes, just like there were for the late workers, the more to the story is a lot of pain. So that person who has a great house and a great car, what we don't see is that they drive home and they close the garage door and when they get there, their spouse won't even talk to them. And they go and they sit at their desk and they just try to shuffle the bills and think, how am I going to do this? And we don't see it. So we have to, we have to use our heads and, and we have to know sometimes that perhaps someone is more deserving of our pity and compassion than our envy. Now the second thing, something that you're never going to hear me say in church ever again, so enjoy it while I say it, okay? Focus on yourself. Never heard that before in church, have you? <laughs> but to combat envy, we don't want to focus on others. We want to focus on ourselves. And this is actually one of the few, if not the only times in the Bible that God tells us that. Because in this story, the landowner, who is God, says to those early workers, when they're saying, they, 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 God comes over and says, didn't you agree to work? So suddenly God is saying, look here. Look at yourself. Not at what's going on with them. Focus on yourself. Now, if they think about that, they're going to think, okay, I was up early. I came to the labor line. I'm, I'm going to go home today, and my family will have enough to eat. And they're going to be so happy that I got work. And, and maybe, because I worked so well and so hard, I'm going to have work tomorrow and the next day and until the harvest comes in. You see how that changes, just that redirecting, instead of what's going on with that other person, what's going on with me? Um, my husband, long ago, a couple years ago at least, found this this quote from Teddy Roosevelt, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. Um, and we tried to teach it to our kids, right? And they were like, whatever. So we put this on our own mirror in our bedroom so that every morning when we're getting ready, every morning when we wake up and we're looking in that mirror at ourselves, we're reminded comparison is the thief of joy. It's such a great way for me to start my day, to reorient, you know. Focus on yourself, what you can control, what you can, you know, what God is giving you, what God has put in your hands. Because comparison will steal the joy from life. The final thing that we can do is after we've used our heads and after we've redirected to ourselves, then I want us to look down at our hands and what is in our own hands and begin to give thanks for that. At, at the first service, we were talking with the kids, and, you know, they had the same response as the kids here, but this one little guy who was probably four years old, when I said, what can we do? He said, we could say thank you. We could say thank you. See, what envy is doing is it is pulling our eyes away from ourselves and away from what God has given us so that we completely forget it while we're looking at what somebody else has. And what God does is God says, didn't you 
agree to work for a denarius? I'm sure that right then the landowner points to the person's hands. He says, take it and go, right? Nothing has been taken from you. You have a day's wage in your hand. That's where your heart needs to be. That's where your focus needs to be on the good in your life. What are you thankful for? Seriously, what are you thankful for? We need to make that the focus of our being. And what I would encourage you, a practical way to do that is, you know, your phone right next to Facebook or or Twitter or Instagram or whatever, Snapchat, whatever, social media, put a little list and call it thankfulness or gratitude. And begin to add to that list three things every day, five things every day that you're thankful for. You'll never run out. You'll never run out. And the more you build thankfulness into your life, the more completely impossible it becomes for envy to get in. It just, it can't. And these can be small things. I will never forget when Anna, who is now taller than me, was about five years old. She was about this big. And she was getting too big for me to pick up all the time. So being picked up was a treat. And so I picked her up, and I'm going to take her to bed. And she said, oh, mama, isn't it great to be tall? And I said, little girl, I, I don't think I ever think about that. Could you remind me? She said, Mama, reach up your hand. We were standing in the living room right on the ceiling fan. I reached it up. She goes, see, you can touch the ceiling fan and change it just like that. You don't need to call for help. And Leah's down on the ground. She goes, Mama, you don't need a stool anymore to get the cereal. And then Anna chimes in. Anna said, Mommy, remember at the parade, you could see everything. And me and Leah, we couldn't. And then Leah says, and mommy, they never measure you to ride on the roller coaster. (laughs) I said, thank you, girls. I've been up here for so long that I forgot how wonderful it is. And I told Anna that story the other day, and I said, Anna, do you still walk around thinking it's wonderful to be up here? And she said, no, I guess I forgot. For what Are you thankful? You will never run out. And becoming mindful of that, not just say, okay, thank you for this, 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 and then go on, but say, thank you. And then when you're tall, look around. Appreciate it. Right? Whatever it is that you're grateful for, savor it. Delight in it. Because comparison will pick our pockets. We'll steal our joy if we let it. And we'll go through life feeling shortchanged. That's no way to live. That's no way to live. So let your gaze turn from what others have and are to who you are as God's child. Let your gaze look up to the Lord and look at the goodness in your life so that comparison will never 
steal your joy. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would forgive us for the times when so many times our eyes have been looking with envy and hate elsewhere. And turn our gaze back to ourselves. Help us to focus on our own lives and control what we can control. And Lord, help us to do so with thanks. Call to mind this week the multitude of blessings that exist in our lives. Help us to take number of them, to count them, to record them, and then to be deeply grateful that you have so abundantly blessed us. And may, Lord, that gratitude and that focus on you and and what you're doing in our lives, may that just be the strongest antidote to envy so that comparison will never steal our joy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.